people. And doesn't if you're not that wired that way, doesn't mean that you're not called to prophesy. All of us are. Talk a little bit about what the prophetic life looks like, what it looks like to operate within the prophetic in uh, a church community, in the local community, and uh, with the world around us to represent Jesus. So we're just going to dive straight in, if that's all right. We've got lots and lots of things we want to teach you. We want to do some activations. We want to get you prophesying. We want to see the Holy Spirit uh, stir you up uh, so that you begin to see, that you begin to activate. The gift grows by reason of use. And the more you activate it, the more you see. The more time you spend around prophetic people, the more you start to look and to see. Uh, like I, I was just in the car today and I saw, I saw a, a Northern Territory um, car that or just had, a, must have been a government car and it had the symbol of a dragonfly. Oh, there goes my earring. It had the symbol of a dragonfly on it. And I went, I think it's their symbol, like there's a symbol there uh, for, for the Northern Territory. And for me, dragonflies always speak of um, the, it's like the bait for fish. And so for me, every time I see a dragonfly, it's like, oh, there's going to be such a harvest of fish, hallelujah, in, in the Northern Territory. Or I get my room number and I'm thinking, what's the scripture, Lord, that you're wanting to speak to me? And, you know, people think you're crazy or, or number plates and all of that sort of stuff. But the more you begin to realize that God wants to speak all the time, you begin to recognize that it's not so crazy. It's just invitations and that God wants us to learn to recognize them and to respond to them. So let's have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to make you do the work. Um, so is there somebody who likes to read out loud? Oh, you're surely not all shy. Does somebody like to read out loud? I need a couple of readers. Good job. All right. We're going to read the whole chapter. The whole chapter? Yes. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit." For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? 
if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honourable, on these we bestow greater honour, and our unrepresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given the greater honour to the part which lacks it, that there should be no, whatever, schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets... Are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all these gifts, do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Very well done. I love that. I, I, the reason I wanted her to read the whole chapter is it's beautiful the way it talks about the body, how it's so important that we understand that we need one another, that the prophetic is, is such a, an important part that mustn't be separated off, that mustn't be said, well, you know, we don't need the prophetic or that's just an added extra. It's, it's not like a, a, a third limb, you know, a, you know a, third, a third arm or something like that. It's, a, it's an essential part of the body. It's a really important part. But likewise, when the prophetic feels a little bit misunderstood or rejected, it's so important that the the prophetic doesn't run off and say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to play with the others. I'm not going to be part of that. Uh, because there's, there's just a health that happens. Schism is when we separate. And that's why it's so important and so valuable for us uh, to learn as prophetic people to what it is to work within the body, to talk with one another, to have prophetic mentors in our life, to be able to work with um, apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists and to work together and not consider one ourselves greater than the other. Sometimes we find in the prophetic ministry, because it's exciting and supernatural and you get information and um, information can seem like power and you know, having supernatural revelation and wild encounters, you can get, if you're not careful and don't remain connected to the rest of the body, you can start to develop a superiority complex that thinks, well, my gift is superior to your gift. So I just wanted to start there straight up and say there is no one that is more superior to the other, no one fivefold ministry that can do without the other part. We need all of the parts. But I like it says there, I eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Which means even though, yes, there are some that are specifically called to be prophets, there are some specifically called to different uh, areas, we are, we are all invited to respond 
to the Lord's invitation to eagerly desire it. And he doesn't dangle it saying, "Uh uh-huh, eagerly desire it, but I'm not necessarily going to give it to you. He, he, He wants you to all, he desires that all God's people should prophesy. And uh, so that's why you're here tonight. You may be in the office of different things. You might be um, finding you've got different giftings and different things. But to be able to learn how to prophesy is a powerful gift because what it does is edify, exhort and comfort people. And it's such a powerful tool uh, to represent Christ. Hallelujah. So revelatory power and the power gifts all flow from the Holy Spirit. We read there that the, it's the Holy Spirit who's the source of it all. Hallelujah. God, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, and yet He is the one that has given it. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Hallelujah. He, delight, he, he designed it. He created you in that way, and He is the one who gives the gifts. And so we give Him all the honor. And we understand, too, uh, that we, it's, not, it's not because we are Because of our gifting, it's because of the gift that has come from him. It's the giver, the one that gets exalted that that we look to. So basically, we love God, let him love us, and we love other people. And the prophetic is just one way that we can do that, and a really powerful thing. Um, Romans 12, 6, if you have a look at that, um, who wants to read that one for me? Romans 12, 6. Go, big voice. I'm reading the NLT. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Very good. Very good. God wants us to prophesy according to our faith. He gives us faith to do that. And our faith grows as we use it. Hallelujah. And so God's looking for us to have faith in the fact that he wants to speak to people. I've discovered that the prophetic is not just something that we randomly just might just randomly happen. It is something we posture ourselves for and we can prophesy by faith. Uh, There are times that the spirit of prophecy comes and people do prophesy. That's a sovereign thing. But... uh, in that the, but the Holy Spirit is always inviting us into it. And we can prophesy by faith. And so uh, that's how the gifts are working. And so one of the things I like to remember is every time God gives me an opportunity, he also gives me the grace to do what he asks me to do. I remember when I first started prophesying, I was ministering with another lady and she'd prophesy and then she'd hand me the microphone and say, go. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And I'd have to you know, come up with a PS to the word. And I thought that was great. The next time I went with her, um, she prophesied over this one. She gave me the microphone. I was preparing a word for the same person she'd prophesied over to give a PS. And she's like, no, no, the next one. And it was like, oh, but oh, I don't have anything. And then next one, next one, next one, next one. And it was, oh, it's hard, you know. It's hard. But after a while... It began to flow because I began to realize that every time God gives me an opportunity, he will also give me what I need to fulfill that opportunity. If God, So I've always, always employed that truth. If God presents me with the opportunity with someone sick, it doesn't matter whether I'm feeling it or not. 
God's given the opportunity, he'll also give what's needed to give himself glory in that opportunity and see his will done. It's his will to heal the sick. So therefore, if I've got that opportunity, I also have the grace for it. And that's what I connect my faith to. Hallelujah. I connect my faith to the fact that I'm the righteous who walk by faith, not by my feelings. So that means I'm ready in season or out of season, whether I feel it flowing or whether I don't. Uh, Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth used to say, if God's not moving, I'll move him. And that is basically Romans 12, 6, saying that I, I will employ faith in the gift. I will, I will put my faith in the, in the will of God. I'll wage war with the will of God. The known will of God is that he wants to heal all who are oppressed of the enemy. He came to destroy the works of the evil one, to heal the sick. He said, heal the sick. So that's what we'll do. We'll heal the sick. Whether, and, and it's not relevant whether I'm feeling it or whether I feel qualified or whatever it is. This is the reality. I reckon myself dead and I'm alive to God in Christ. God always has something to say. He always wants to speak to people. He's always got a kind word for somebody. You never go to prophesy and God says, no, I don't want to talk to them. He always has something he wants to do to minister to them. And the lovely thing about it is that we get to be the delivery people. Uh, We are messengers. When we prophesy, we're we're messengers. So we don't have to... You might not... um, like sometimes I've gone to prophesy and I feel like, well, this feels like a really general word. You know, like, God loves you. You think, yeah, well, if it were me getting the prophetic word, I would like a whole heap of detail and I'd like, you know, really specifics about what I'm supposed to do. And da, 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 da. That's what I would like. And I get, God loves you. And think, what a pathetic word. And the person bursts into tears because that's exactly what they needed to hear right then. That happened today. Tell what happened. Um, so I went for a run today, and this woman was sitting, um, yeah, was sitting on the side of the road, and I really felt like I should go to her, but I really didn't know what to say, so I just said, "Jesus loves you." And she bursted into tears and she just told me like everything about her life and I just got to encourage her and prophesy over her and pray for her. Awesome. I love prophetic conferences because this will happen all the time. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Um, and, And so we are not good judges of whether or not it's a good word or a bad word. If it is with the, but we're going to talk about what makes up a prophetic word. Uh, but we need to also recognize that we're not giving what we want. We're giving what God wants, what God wants to give them to help them experience his love. Hallelujah. It, it says them, but I want to show you a better way. Hallelujah. And it says uh, that in, in chapter 13 that it's all about love. If I, I can speak all mysteries and I can have so much revelation, but if I haven't got love, I've got nothing. I'm just a clanging gong or a noisy symbol. So you could have the most spectacular gift, but if it's not loving, if it's not full of the love of God, if it's not flowing out of a place of being loved and wanting to love and letting that love overflow through us, 
then it's nothing. But the, so the prophetic is, has to be flowing out of the place of intimacy. There has to be, it's all about um, letting his love so permeate your heart that your, your gift and what you're saying isn't motivated by your need to receive something from them, but it's out of an overflow of the fact that you've just received everything you need. Hallelujah. And, um, you know, so it, it's vital in any area of gifting, whether it be miracles or prophecy or teaching, any gift that you have, it's so vital that we prioritize above all other things, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness to know him. It's impossible to trust somebody you don't know. You can't have faith in somebody you don't know. And so you can be trying to have faith to prophesy, trying to have faith uh, to move in any of the power gifts, but unless you have an intimate relationship with God, unless you're letting him speak rhema words to you. I was just speaking about this um, today with Pastor Daniel. I was, I was saying, you know, when it comes to, to spiritual warfare and we're using the word to, to, for spiritual warfare, that's, that's one level but it's a whole other level when I've spent time with God and God has given me a personal word when he has spoken it to me personally and then I, then I use that. It's like I know this not just because it's in the word. I know this because he has spoken it to me personally. When he speaks his word to my heart as a rhema word, <laughs> oh, this I know. You know, I can read that God is love, God is patient, God is kind, and I can understand, yes, it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Therefore, I am love, I am patient, I am kind. But when God comes and looks you in the face and he says, you are kind, and the enemy comes and tells you something opposite, you turn around, you go, (laughs) I have it on first-hand authority. This is the truth. I am kind. This is what he says about me. This is my identity. And I get it not because I'm, just because I'm reading it, he's spoken it to us personally. And so when it comes to the prophetic, um, it's so important that we prioritize our time of letting him love us, of filling our needs. Because any form of ministry carries with it um, and, and gifting carries with it, within it the, the, the danger of um, finding your, your needs, your, your needs for affirmation, your needs for value, your needs for significance, which are all just natural human needs. You can, you can start to get that met through people, through ministry. And, and that's when it becomes unhealthy. God is the one who supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory. If you look up Maslow's hierarchy of needs, anyone done a study on psychology, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you, you look it up. You'll see all of those different needs, the needs for significant, the needs for, for value, that all of these different needs that are genuine human needs. God supplies all of our needs. His desire is to supply it to us according to his riches in glory. So that is in superabundance more than you can handle supply 
So you actually need supernatural help to be able to handle the amount of affirmation, the amount of encouragement that he wants to speak into your soul every day. And if you learn how to tap into that, to wait upon the Lord, to let him affirm you, love you, value you, meet every one of your needs, I would encourage you to actually look up Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Look at it and expect God to actually fill those needs to superabundant levels every day. Because if you're getting that, then you are no longer subject to the pull and push of people who want to um, manipulate you. You are no longer um, in, in danger of um, compromising the gifting to try and get some of your needs met, to have people happy or, or, or to have them affirm you or, or to make it spectacular or whatever it is. You'll be, you'll be happy because you're, you're having that joy and that, that need met. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and in his presence is fullness of joy. The abundance of peace, overflowing, so completely peaceful. And you, you don't become somebody that is um, a clanging gong. You don't become somebody that is dangerous. A lot of pastors and a lot of churches ignore the prophetic or, or sideline it because of dangers and damage that's been done through the prophetic. But as we read in First Corinthians 12... That's a very foolish thing to do. We can't say to one part of the body, we don't need you. That would be a um, disabled body. We need all of, the, all of the parts. But we also need all of the parts working together in him. In him we live and move and have our being. Hallelujah. So everything begins and ends with Christ. It's completely Christocentric, completely all about him. It, it comes from him and it overflows out of our heart. And we are moved with compassion. We're moved with the love of Christ. And our faith is based on the fact that we know him and we know his word. We can know him in the word, what he says, and we know the one who's saying it. Hallelujah. So exciting. So um, it, this intimacy that he wants to develop with us and the way that he wants to meet our needs requires us to actually be able to be vulnerable with God into Misi. We open up our hearts and we can talk to him about everything. We've got nothing to fear from him. He knows all about us and he likes us anyway. Hallelujah. And he, he does. And he, he's not afraid of you. He's not like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that you did that. Why would you do that? He's not shocked. He's not horrified. He, he knows it all, and he wants to be your helper in every situation. He wants to heal you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to be your closest one that gives you mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation on a daily basis and, and is the air that you breathe. That When you become intimately acquainted with him and you learn to get your needs met by him, everything else just becomes a delightful overflow. Hallelujah. So um, 
First Peter chapter five, verse six and seven. Who wants to read that one for me? Someone got the New King James. Go, big voice. First um, Peter chapter five, six and seven. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. So lovely. So lovely. So we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and he lifts us up in due time because he cares for us and we, we cast all our cares on him because he wants to help us. You know, what he's saying, as I've said before, um, when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we're not coming and going, oh, I was bad. And he goes, yes, I know, smack. When we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he's going, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Let me, let me love you. I want to restore your heart. Now tell me, let's talk about every care that you've got. I want to know everything because I care about you. Under his mighty hand is simply positioning yourself to receive the comfort that he wants to give. But if you come to him and you say, I'm right, no worries, mate, you know, I'm okay, and you don't expose it, then you carry the care on your own. It clutters up part of the, your capacity to have vision. It's, it becomes a cloud that you, you don't get to see well with because there's lies there that, that are hindering your capacity to fully see. And you are battling cares that you don't need to carry. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so we need to work hard not to let our vision get clouded by our own arrogant belief that we are meant to carry things on our own, that we'll be right. It's also important, too, that we develop intimacy with one another Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. It's in the New Testament. Hallelujah. It's, it's us say, being able to have people that we can trust to say, hey, I'm believing this lie. I know it's not right. Help me. I want to walk in accountability with you. Help me. Speak truth to me. You're not casting your pearls before swine, but finding safe people that you can be intimate with, real with, hallelujah, and walk in transparency with, and it's so, so healthy. Uh, Stacey Campbell talks about it in her book, Ecstatic Prophecy. She talks about a lot of the Catholic mystics who'd have these out-there experiences, you know, levitating off the floor and all sorts of things, and they would have um, confessors. And so they would talk to their confessors about all their experiences, and there's something so healthy about having people that you can talk to about your things so that you don't start letting yourself believe that I'm the only one. Nobody understands. It's such a lie. There's 10,000 more. <laughs> He's reserved all these ones. It's like Elijah was like this. I alone am left. And God goes, oh, Elijah, actually... I have thousands, <laughs> but, you know, I understand what you're thinking, but this is the truth. Let me tell you the truth. And um, we can get those Elijah complexes. I alone am left. Nobody understands me. Um, but it's actually not true. It's a lie. And you just need to seek out uh, good, safe, uh, accountability people who can help you uh, see clearly. Hallelujah. 
Amen. So I believe the prophetic needs to be done in community. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, um, if, we don't, if we don't do it in healthy community, then it becomes unhealthy and imbalanced. So, but praise God, this is a beautiful community. It's so, so powerful. Hallelujah. All right, so there's all sorts of different prophets and different types of prophetic ministry. And for some, their primary way of hearing or seeing is, is visionary. So I would say I am probably primarily um, visual. I'm, I'm a seer more than I have uh, other ways. I, I hear in all sorts of different ways. I can hear, I see, I sense. Uh, but, oh, and sometimes this, the spirit of prophecy just comes upon me. But primarily I'd say I'm more seeing than Hearing. What would you be, Sarah? You, you're more of a seer too, aren't you? Stacey Campbell would be a Nabi prophet. That's what we, where it just wells up from within. That's more of a Nabi type. And um, there's there's others who who are more hearers. Um, there are others uh, that are more senses. They they get a sense of what's uh, and they feel it. Um, so, but there is no one way that is better than the other way. God is wanting to activate all of our senses to be able to hear his voice. He wants to speak through all sorts of things, like he's speaking through number plates or different things. He, he wants to talk all the time. And the key is, if we ask the Holy Spirit and we lean, uh, lean on the Holy Spirit, rely on him as the revealer of mysteries, then it saves us becoming puffed up in our own capacities to be able to interpret or hear the voice of God but as we lean into the Holy Spirit and believe in faith that he wants to reveal mysteries to us, then we only need to start asking questions in faith, believing that we're going to hear. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was a prophet. It says, you can read there, I looked and I saw. And then he writes what he saw. And I looked again and I saw. I looked again and I saw. I was in the Spirit and I looked and I saw. He looked and he saw, and he looked and he saw. The key there is he was looking with an expectation to see, and therefore he, as much as he looked, I keep putting my hand in my earrings, um, as much as he looked, he would see. You can see as much as you want to see, as much as you want to take time to see. You, you can, he saw until the end of the age. And so can you. You can keep look and look and you can see. Problem is, most of us don't take the time to look. I remember um, once reading about William Branham and how he would get words of knowledge about people before he'd come to the meeting, about the people who would get healed. And I got so inspired, I went, okay, I'm going to do that, God. This is years and years ago. All right, God, tell me who's going to get healed at this meeting. And I was looking with an expectation to see. So I saw a vision of a lady with a, a skirt, and she had one leg shorter than the other. And I looked, and I saw in the vision this, this lady. And then I asked the question, Lord, how are you going to heal her? Because I learned long ago the question isn't, do you want to heal her? Because we already know the answer to that question. He does, of course. Uh, so I say, how do you want to heal her? Even before I had this vision, I, I, I said to him, who do you want to heal? And I'd... I'd learned that lesson from being in a meeting back in the very early stages of my ministry and, um, and saying, Lord, um, 
do you want to heal anybody? And I didn't hear anything. I just got a few prophetic words for people. I was so disappointed. I was like, God, don't you want to heal anybody? And then in worship, I, I just got frustrated. And I went, God, there must be people here you want to heal. And suddenly, bang, 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 bang. I, I began to get the most specific words of knowledge I'd ever had up to that time. And I realized I was simply asking the wrong question. I, I, I shouldn't have been asking, do you want to heal anybody? Because, of course, he wants to heal people. That's just who he is. He was waiting for me to put a demand on him by faith, saying, okay, where are they? Who are the ones that you want to heal? So in the same way, I started that way. I'd learned that lesson, but I said, okay, Lord, uh, who do you want to heal? And I looked with an expectation to see. And when you look with an expectation to see, you'll see. Hallelujah, because it's faith. And so I saw this picture of a lady with a skirt on, one leg shorter than the other. And then I said, how do you want to heal her, God? And I saw myself in the vision, lay hands on her, and she was slain in the spirit. And then I got down on the floor, and I put my hand on her ankle, and her leg grew out. I was like, yay. So I went to the meeting that night, and I said, there's somebody here with one leg shorter than the other. I wasn't quite game enough at that point to say it's a lady. But a lady came out, and she was wearing a skirt, and it was just like in my vision. And I was like, yes. I prayed for her. She slammed the spirit. I knew what to do next. Got down, put my hand on her ankle. Her leg grew out. She was running around the building. It was so exciting. I was like, yay, that's so good. And I went home, and I was like, that's so fun, God. And then I thought to myself, I wonder why I don't ask like just for my day and stuff, like what do you want to do during the day? And suddenly I realized the answer to that was the reason I don't get information about that for my day and all the things that are going to happen during the day is I simply don't bother to take the time to look and see. And it's a true thing. I didn't bother, you know, I like, I didn't, I didn't want it enough, couldn't really be bothered. The truth is, we'll, we'll see as much as we make room to see. The more you prioritize hearing his voice, the more you'll hear it. Hallelujah. That's why I think it's so important, um, and I have dear friends, I have, um, I just, talking about a friend, a Catholic friend actually, um, who's on the prophetic council, who had a, had a dream about me a, a year or so ago when I was very busy with a lot of organisation and stuff. And she said, in the dream, I, we were in the car and we were driving through a city with lots of big buildings and there were these huge angels in the city. And I said, can you see the... And she said to me in the, in the dream, can you see those big angels? And I said, what? What are you talking about? Where? And she said, but you've got better eyes than me. And then she rang me up and she said, I'd been praying about this dream. And she said, I feel like the Lord just wants to remind you not to get so busy that you forget to see, that you are called to be a seer. And it was a lovely reminder, actually. It was, such a, it was delivered in such humility. But it was true. I was getting so busy with the organizing apostolic side that I had that I was forgetting to make room for what was actually really important in my life, and that was to exercise the seer anointing, to really exercise the prophetic gift. And so we must, we must make decisions about what we prioritize. Every yes is a no to something else. 
So we need to we need to be wise about what we say yes to. There's always things to do. I've always got five thousand emails that I haven't answered. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But um, it, that is getting less now. Hallelujah, with processes and people and help. Hallelujah. So I don't always have five thousand, but I've always got a lot. Always got something that needs doing. But then I have to prioritize. What's most important? What do you want me to be doing today? Amen? Hallelujah. Um, so we know that the purpose of the prophetic, well, actually, let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. Who's going to read me that one? First Corinthians 13, uh, 14, verse 3. Who's got it? New King James, ready to go, Mark. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Hallelujah. Edification, exhortation and comfort. Isn't that wonderful? That's what the prophetic does. That's why you can always expect that God wants to give a word. You can always have faith in the fact that God wants to speak because that's who God is. God is love and he always wants to edify, exhort and comfort. And that's how he speaks. That's why I so emphasize this necessity of uh, intimacy because if you aren't hearing the voice of God for yourself, if you aren't knowing God, then you will filter what you say through your belief of what God is like. And God, when he speaks personally to me, he is always edifying, exhorting, comforting. His words always breathe life to me. They don't bring death to me. They bring life to me. His words are always life-giving and they are always kind, consistently kind. We're called to love one another as we love ourselves. To the level that you love yourself too is, to the, is the level to which you'll be able to love other people. If you are one that believes that God is judging you and that you're always judging yourself and you're really tough on yourself, you can be really tough on other people and your words won't be edifying, exhorting and comforting. They will be judgmental. Because with the same love that you have for yourself, you will love others. But when you're spending time with the one who is so exuberantly kind and, and delightful and just looks at you and loves you more than you can handle... And then you begin to believe this love that he has for you. And you come into agreement with how he feels about you. And you let yourself love yourself as God loves you. Then you begin to be qualified to be able to love other people. To the level that you love yourself is the level that you will love others. If you are a critical person, if you are critical of yourself, you must prioritize Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 21, you must, uh, must prioritize getting to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, to become rooted and grounded in that love because it's that love that will empower you. When you come into agreement with what he says about you, when you begin to believe that he says it's no longer you who lives but Christ who lives in you, if you begin to study who God is, that God, but if you believe that everything that I love about God is now true about me and you come into agreement with it and you are consistent believing this is what God says. God says that I've been crucified with him. I'm dead. He's alive. Hallelujah. 
And now, as he is, so am I in this world. God is love. He, love is patient. Love is kind. It's long-suffering. Keeps no record of wrong. Rejoices in truth. All of these good things. That's the definition of who God is. And now he says, as he is, so am I. So I am patience personified. I am kindness personified. I am full of goodness. Hallelujah. Because it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's why this message of righteousness, the message of identity is so important. Because otherwise you get cranky prophets, angry prophets who aren't edifying, exhorting and comforting. They're loving with the same love they have for themselves, which is an inaccurate incorrect view of who God is. God is love. And if you don't get love, then you don't get God properly and you will misrepresent God. And no wonder the church has shut down the prophetic. Because when you get a prophet who gets up and wants to... They're not representing the voice of God. They're not representing the love of God. And when they don't understand love, They're just a clanging symbol. It doesn't matter how accurate they are. It's not a representation of who God is. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We know about, um, you know, Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Who could read that one for me? Is this helping you? Revelation. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we don't get all excited about angels and like, ooh, I saw an angel. It's like, that's nice. But Jesus is the one. Hallelujah. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It means that the very essence of, te- of prophecy is Christ himself. God is love. Yes? So... The heart of who Jesus is needs to be the center of all prophetic ministry. It must be Christocentric. It must be all about Jesus. Hallelujah. And so therefore, who is Jesus? Jesus manifested himself in Scripture. When you do a study, that's a delightful study if you want to do that. Do a study on the life of Jesus throughout the Gospels, listening specifically to learn what's he like. Every person that came to Jesus with a problem, Jesus manifested himself as the answer to them. Every single time. Every person. Without fail. It doesn't matter what problem they came to him with. When they said, please help me, we've run out of wine. Or someone had died. Or someone was sick. Or they were sick. Or they had a demon. Every time, without fail, throughout the Gospels, Jesus is shown to be the manifestation, the way he manifests himself is as the answer to their problem. So Jesus is the answer all the time. So turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is the answer. So if the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, that means 
in every prophetic word at the center, there must be Jesus the answer. So often a, um, often a prophetic word is made up, a, a mature prophetic word is generally made up of a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy, and a word of wisdom. You'll, you'll see that. So someone will prophesy, and they may prophesy. Well, they prophesy a word of knowledge about that person. Well, I see whatever. This is the problem, and that's the word of knowledge. But if you just stopped there and you said, well, I see that you've been really struggling with depression, <laughs> and you move on, it's not a prophetic word because it hasn't had Jesus, the answer, at the heart of it. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if you get a word like that, you don't have to say everything you hear or every, say everything you see, by the way. Hallelujah. I probably, I probably say only about 80% of what I see because some of it's for your information. But um, when you get a word like that, you see a problem. Don't whatever you do just prophesy the problem. Keep looking until you see Jesus, the answer in it. So if you get an, a word of knowledge about, or if you go to prophesy over someone and you see, I see that you know, you've been having a problem in your marriage or whatever, which you probably shouldn't say publicly anyway. But if you saw a, I see you've got a, a there's, there's been, there's, you've been having a lot of persecution at work or something, Keep looking with an absolute expectation to see who Jesus wants to be to them in that situation so that your word edifies, exhorts, and comforts. Because if it doesn't bring edification, exhortation, and comfort, it's not a prophetic word. If it doesn't have Jesus, the answer, in the center of it, then it's not a mature word. So you need to keep looking so that you get the prophetic word about what God wants to do about the situation, and then you can keep looking and, and also get a, a word of wisdom about how God wants to apply that word in their life. Hallelujah. Amen. Is this making sense? Praise the Lord. And so um, that's what love looks like. It, it's, the word is not made. We don't prophesy so that we look good or that we feel good. The word's not about impressing people with our gifting. The word is about loving people. And so that's if we must be motivated with wanting to have left them having had an encounter with Jesus when they've had an encounter with you. Uh, you know, I've, I've actually been in meetings where they've been prophesying over people and I have seen how it's been embarrassing and um, hurtful and judgmental to people, and then they've gone, and you, I'd like to pray for you. And I've just said to them, no, no, I'm not coming. They got so mad at me afterwards, because I was a leader, um, and they, sa they said, you should not have done that, that was terrible. They I said, I, there's no way that I was going to endorse your, your ministry or put myself under that. You were not loving people in the way that you were speaking to them. I, no, and... Uh, th this particular prophet had a um, was known as the sledgehammer. That was their nickname. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, nah. Or I've I've come across people who say, um, yes, 
you're a grace prophet and I'm a judgment prophet. And I'm like, I don't know if we work for the same team, actually. (laughs) Because, no, there's not grace prophets and judgment prophets. There is servants of God who minister the love of Jesus. And uh, if you get excited about being a judgment prophet, we need to have a chat. Hallelujah. (laughs) About how you love yourself. Shakaba. If you're a judgment prophet, God loves you a lot more than you understand. Hallelujah. So understanding this love. Now, when I say that, please understand, God can bring correction and discipline, but when he does, it's so loving that you actually thank him for it. You feel better for it. (laughs) You're so kind to me, God. I love you so much. I mean, occasionally, I've delivered probably thousands of words, prophetic words to people, and I could count probably on one hand out of those thousands times when I have had correction words given to people. And they, but they have nearly always been done privately. One time I had God specifically ask me to do it publicly and I didn't identify the person. Uh, but that was a unique situation and I ran it by the pastor before I gave it um, specifically because it, it, the Lord had shown me they'd been already told many, many, many times and this was, this was the love of God for them to be, uh, it was like their last chance. But that is not something that became my ministry. And, and it's so rare that you'll see that. Occasionally, I've been praying for people. I remember once on an altar praying for somebody. Um, and the first thing I saw was a, I closed my eyes to pray for them. And I saw all this beer. And I was thinking to myself, Lord, what does beer represent? What does that mean? And I couldn't get any interpretation for the beer. And so I said, show me something else, Lord. I got another word, and I gave that word, and they really received that. I thought, oh, that's great. This is all happening privately on the altar. And then because it was so well received, I just said really innocently, completely naively, no sense of judgment or possibility that there could be anything wrong. I said, well, you know what? I saw something else. I saw, like, all this beer. And the guy goes, oh, I've been praying for God to set me free. I go out and I get drunk on beer every Wednesday night. I'm so trying to get delivered from it. Please, would you pray for me? And he was delivered. And it was so wonderful. But I think God allowed it that way because he didn't, he didn't want to embarrass the person. And it was something that he wanted prayer for, but he was too afraid to say. But there was something beautiful and sweet about it. There was nothing embarrassing. There was no... There was no accusing him there was no you know bringing shame before anybody else it happened one other time I was went to pray for somebody and I saw these horse races I'm like races he's in a race God like racing in a race (laughs) horse racing a race I can't get the interpretation of what is this? Holy Spirit, help me. What, what are you saying by the horsing, racing? And I just said, so I just gave up. I went, I'm just seeing this picture of these horses racing. It goes, oh, I'm addicted to the horse racing. I went, oh, and he was like, please pray for me. Oh, great. Holy Spirit wants to set you free. Hallelujah. And it was beautiful. 
But that would have been like, that's, they, I can think of those examples out of literally probably thousands of words that I've delivered. It is not a normal thing for God to be showing negative stuff. He does do it, but it's not common. Don't let it become the thing that you go after. If you are looking for dirt, you'll find it. But don't look for dirt. Look for gold. Hallelujah. It's much nicer. Okay. Praise the Lord. Um, we, need to be, we also need to be very loving and very kind in the way that we deliver words. Hallelujah. Delivery is massively important. I remember once, um, uh, <laughs> this was the sledgehammer man, hallelujah. Um, oh, this was a different, uh, it was a different prophet. It was similar to the other person. And um, he called me out to prophesy and I was just like 23 or 4 and I'd started song, oh no, maybe a little bit older, but I'd started songwriting. And um, he called me out and he said, um, I see that you have been writing songs and the Lord showed me a clock and I saw the hands at quarter past and the Lord said that you are one quarter anointed and three quarters unanointed. And that was the, the extent of the word. And I was so discouraged. <laughs> I was like, I want to never write another song, you know, <laughs> three quarters unanointed. <laughs> It must be true because he knew that I was so good. Oh, God, I'm so sad. I'm so sorry. I'm so unanointed. But if he had delivered that with more wisdom and more grace and said, the Lord's showing me that you're a songwriter and that there is an anointing being poured out on your life, but God wants to increase it threefold, I would have gone home, picked up my pen, and you'd probably be buying more of my CDs. Hallelujah. <laughs> because, and the difference between that delivery and the first one was Jesus the answer. The first one came out of criticism, judgmentalism, the way he was viewing himself. The second, the second interpretation would have been the redemption of Jesus. It would have been an exhortation, edification, and a comfort. Hallelujah. So the, the way we deliver something is so important. We're going to talk more about all of that great good stuff. Hallelujah. Um, am I, I can't even tell if I'm on Queensland time or... Yes, beautiful. We're going to just... Um, I've got lots and lots more I want to share with you. Um, we're going to do just a few quick activations tonight. Hallelujah. Um, but has this been helpful so far? Hallelujah. Um, this is fairly heavy reading, um, but I want to give this to you, and we'll have a little look through it, um, if you like, um, probably on Saturday. But there's some just basic principles and ethics. At the, as a moment, the um, Australian Prophetic Council, we are working on a document ourselves of, of protocols for prophetic ministry. Um, but this is just a, a sort of uh, one that, I, I, um, that we're looking at 
Um, that was done by John Paul Jackson and James Goll and uh, Bobby Connor, Mark Dupont, a few others. Um, put them together, and it, it's it's a good thing just to have um, an understanding of the importance of character when it comes to gifting. You can be the most powerfully gifted prophet, that guy that prophesied of my songwriting, powerfully gifted. In fact, he also pulled me out at another stage saying, the Lord's called you to be a prophet, now go and prophesy over everybody. Like, like literally, in the meeting, get, while I'm preaching, go on, prophesy over everybody. Uh, you know, he was accurate and he could see. But the, the, um, the, the, the love was a little lacking. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we, so we need to be people who understand that the gift, without godly character and without good Christian community and without remaining very, very strongly connected to the body uh, can actually cause a lot of damage. So that's why it's a good thing to have some basic protocols around them. These are things that are basically um, beautiful things about Christocentric, Bible-centric, grounded on the Word of God. God's never going to give revelation that goes beyond the Word of God. So the Scripture tells us, even if an angel came to you and said... Don't believe them. That's what Paul says. So even if you have like in your face angelic encounter or somebody from the cloud of witnesses coming and telling you, I am about to release a new revelation to you that's not in the Bible. It goes beyond the Bible. It's better than the Bible. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter even if they give you a feather pen and you can bring it to class. If it's not in the Word of God if it doesn't line up with the character of God, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, then it must be rejected. Hallelujah. Because there is a very real spiritual world and not all of it is good. But when we hold the hand of the one who is goodness himself, we get to bring goodness to the world. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. So we, uh, I'll give that to you, but we'll probably keep and bring that with you on Saturday and we will have a little go through those God willing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you have any questions, we're also going to have a Q&A on Saturday about that. But I'm going to ask Sarah if you'd come. And I thought we might do some activations. Do you want to, do you want to lead us in those? That'd be good. She, 